the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, folks, good afternoon. It is 106. It is Wednesday. And you're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website. Check out DePietro.com. Folks, all of our uh, shows are listed there in alphabetical, well, in a library fashion, I should say. We also, you can uh, go into the shop. We have some great merchandise that is available. Um, and on top of that, uh, if you want to reach me, get a hold of me, advertise in the program, all of our links to social media, it's all right there at, in fact, DePetro.com. This portion of the show, folks, is brought to you by R.E. Coogan and Heating. It's Coogie. Listen, it's going to be a hot summer. And call R.E. Coogan and Heating today at 732-6562. 732-6562. R.E. Coogan and Heating. Remember what Coog says. Let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. R.E. Coogan and Heating. Winter to summer. Trained technicians provide 100% customer service Call R.E. Coogan and Heating today. Do you need a plumber? Heating, cooling, helpful, trustworthy, reliable. R.E. Coogan and Heating. Look for them on Facebook. And again, their website is recooganheating.com. recooganheating.com. Go with Coogie. Hey, explore Central Air. They make you their top priority. R.E. Coogan and Heating. Plumbing, heating, and cooling. Now, folks, we are standing by. For President Biden is uh, set to give his post press conference. We heard from the Russian president uh, just a short time ago, actually in the last hour. And in the past, they've done a joint press briefing together. But this time, the White House decided, no, we're going to we're going to do a separate one. And uh, based on the way that uh, I I think that was the wise decision. So we're going to. Stand by for President Biden now, but based on the fact the way that uh, uh, President Putin was definitely kind of turning things around and the way he was phrasing things. And I I think that um, that our president would have had a tough time up there on the same stage. And I think that um, President that President Putin would have had President Biden kind of, the expression is chasing his tail a little bit. So we're going to stand by. It is interesting. It's going to be really interesting now how the media, uh, I want to hear how they're going to question President Biden, how he's going to respond to some of these things. Folks, as we're waiting for that to happen, again, I invite you to visit the website, depetro.com. And don't forget, one of our sponsors at depetro.com is Soul Source Restoration. They will clean and disinfect residential commercial properties. SOLE, Soul Source Restoration. Call Mike Seepy and his crew today, 401-712-2700, 401-712-2700. Soul, S-O-L-E, Soul Source Restoration online at soulsourcerestoration.com. So again, we, uh, we're going to bring you President Biden as he's getting uh, set to speak, and we want to find out how he's going to counter. Uh, Putin said, well, it's really the United States that has all the cyber criminals. So we want to hear how he's going to deal with that, how they're going to deal with the um, the different embassies, and, and just the nature of the whole thing. We need um, the United States, folks. Let's be honest. We need we need President Biden to really come out and deliver as he's going to address the the world media just because Putin president Putin is um listen the guy's a murderer he's evil KGB international gangster but he is as smooth as they come and uh he came out and just the way he goes in and out of english and flips things around he also uses the translator very effective because as you can imagine he will ask for it to be translated but what he's really doing is just buying himself a little more time in order to come up with the type of answer that he wants so he hears the question he understands the question but then he allows the translator to, you know, give him a little bit more time and a delay in answering. Folks, as we're waiting for 
President Biden to come out. Right now it's 111. It's Wednesday. It's June 16th. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. This portion of the show is brought to you by Competition Shooting Supply. Stop it and see John Francis. You know, Father's Day is coming up this weekend. A great gift is a gift certificate at Competition Shooting Supplies. Firearms, ammunition, accessories. Competition Shooting Supplies, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. You take exit 2A. Exit 2A in Rhode Island. It's the last exit of Rhode Island before you hit Attleboro. And then you just follow Newport Avenue and you'll come right to the intersection of Newport Avenue and Benefit Street. Competition shooting supply. See John Francis. The guy is fantastic. And remember, he's got more inventory. Check out their Facebook page to get the latest uh, he runs a very good Facebook page only because he always updates it and lets you know what type of inventory he has. And if you maybe you want to sell some firearms that you have in or ammo, um, take take it in. He'll either buy it from you outright or you could sell it at consignment. Competition shooting supplies, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. Folks, again, uh, good afternoon. It's 112. It's John DePietro. I also, again, want to remind you, visit our website, uh, DePietro.com, and one of our sponsors on DePietro.com. I want to keep all of you safe during this unprecedented time where we have the uh, rise in crime and uh, things at times just seem, uh, you know, let's face it, things really do seem uh, completely at times like things are spiraling out of control and that's why you want to get a hold of my friends at Allstate Lock so they will protect you they'll protect your family whether it's security cameras or maybe it's new locks uh, online allstatelock.com allstatelock.com or call them at 401-349-0042 but there is a direct link to all state lock at the website to petro.com so folks good afternoon it is juan it's john DePetro. again we're going to stand by for president biden this is big um president putin he is um it's important for us to hear from our president uh and i'm sure they're actually briefing him right now as we speak and uh in order to counter some of the things boy you know i'm looking at um how much critical race theory has really taken off. I'm seeing the Boston Globe. Some lawmakers want to ban critical race theory in schools. So what is it? National debate over race-related curriculum rages on. Here's a lesson on the subject and the controversy surrounding it. So, I mean, at least there it is. Um, There it is, an element of some people denying it's in the schools, it's definitely in the schools. Now, other news. Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker signs bill extending pandemic-era policies, including to-go cocktails and expanded outdoor dining. Now, I hear some people don't fully understand why is it important for restaurants to uh, sell to-go cocktails? Because a lot of times there are certain drinks that people don't want to have to go out and make themselves, such as, you know, either a Manhattan or a whiskey sour or uh, certain other uh, margarita, or there's just certain things that people say, you know, if you could throw into mixed drinks, I'd like to order it like that. It's just another thing for them to offer. So I think that should be extended. Uh, assault of older Asian woman at South End puts family on age, on edge. Um, so now we don't have all the details on exactly uh, who was involved in that, but I want to read this um this business of the critical race theory, uh, it's a single concept, intellectual movement. Well, maybe it's, it could be a little bit longer, but it's real, folks. It's real. It's coming into the schools, um, and people are questioning just how it would be taught in the schools. And people have a right to, as many of you know, you know, obviously our friend Nicole Salas, uh, that that uh, absolutely catapulted her into the headlines uh, because then they were going to sue her for trying to uh, South Kingstown. By the way, South Kingstown is, in my opinion, is just um, it, it's just completely a mess. I mean, it, it just is uh, the fact that for um, for what they 
what is going on in that district, the fact that um, that certain individuals in what they were doing to her and they wanted to charge her for trying to get more information uh, about how these things are being taught. How are you teaching young children about race? How are you teaching young children about uh, gender? I mean, I think those are fair questions. The, the, the real truth is they didn't like um, they didn't like the fact that she was questioning them. And that's why then she went to put the kibosh on. They went to, you know, silence her and started saying, oh, it's going to be $10,000 if you want the information and blah, blah, blah. And all of that is it's 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 an intimidation tactic. They don't want to have to have to answer questions. Um, that's that's really what it's all about. So now again, folks, right now at 117, we are standing by. Uh, right now, by the way, the time in Geneva, it's uh, 716 in Geneva, nighttime. So they're that much more ahead of us in Geneva, Switzerland. And we're standing by for President Biden to come out and address the media. He has a different setting. He's outside. I'm sure he'll have the mask on. Um, and so um, we want to hear how he's going to interact with the international media and most importantly, he needs to counter some of the things said by the Russian president, uh, President Putin. So, again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. This portion of the program, hey, remember, if you're ever in an accident, who do you call? Did someone hit your car? Maybe right now on this Wednesday. You were in some kind uh, of an auto accident. And I'm not saying it was your fault. I'm saying someone hit you. You need to get your vehicle repaired. Take it to West Fountain Auto Body, 272-3340, 401-272-3340. Four words, West Fountain Auto Body. Keep their number handy. If you're in an accident, if someone ever hits your vehicle, you want to call West Fountain. They're going to work for you not the insurance company, it's West Fountain Auto Body. So, folks, we are standing by for President Biden is about to uh, have a press conference following this Putin summit. And what I'm telling you to listen for is how he is going to counter questions from the media regarding some of the things that the Russian president said. Um, I think that's going to be his biggest challenge. So I'm going to carry it. Um, and that's going to be, I think, the, the, the most challenging. I think we're, again, we're standing by. We are moments away from President Biden to address the media. Folks, he's had some, some tough moments over there, as many people know. Um, he has moments where he just, just drifts a little bit. And gets lost in the moment. And I'm sure the White House um, is hoping that he can get through this uh, this next situation. So um, I'm looking at some of the comments. How hot and sunny it is at the Biden press conference in Geneva. The National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, took one look at the front row seat, walked away. I can't do it. I have Irish skin. He moved to the back of the tent. I know, but it's... it's uh, it's seven nineteen at night. How strong is the? How strong is the? The sun at seven nineteen at night. The answer is not that strong. So um, again, you know, folks, as an American, we have to. I would. I mean, we have to hope that he can just get through this without any major gaffes. And as much as a lot of the American media, you know, we're asking President Putin, what are you so afraid of? Uh, make no mistake about it. The guy is a force. He certainly was not intimidated by the American media. Uh, I think he threw him a little bit as he was then picking them out and saying, oh, that's right. Now, you work for oh, folks joining us going right now. Here is um, let's go to it. Here is uh, President Biden coming up right now. And we're going to. Uh, take this live as President Biden is now set to address the world uh, at 
this uh, summit. So, again, you're listening to the John DePietro Show, and we're going to uh, pick up on President Biden right now as he's going to start to address uh, exactly what's happening. And let's uh, pick it up right now in um, this, folks, right now in Geneva is President Biden. Meeting. There was no problem getting through those doors, was it? Anyway, hello everyone. Oh boy, uh, starts off a little shaky. Well, I just finished the uh, the last meeting of this week's long trip, uh, the U.S.-Russian summit. And I know there were a lot of hype around this meeting, but it's pretty straightforward to me. The meeting one. There's no substitute, as those of you who have covered me for a while know, for face-to-face dialogue between leaders. None. And President Putin and I had a uh, shared, unique responsibility to manage the relationship between two powerful and proud countries. A relationship that uh, has to be stable and predictable. And it should be able to, we should be able to cooperate where it's in our mutual interest. And where we have differences, I want President Putin to understand why I say what I say and why I do what I do. And how we'll respond to specific kinds of actions that harm America's interest. Now, I told President Putin my agenda is not against Russia or anyone else. It's for the American people. Fighting COVID-19, rebuilding our economy, Reestablishing relationships around the world with our allies and friends and protecting the American people. That's my responsibility as president. I also told him that no president of the United States could keep faith with the American people if they did not speak out to defend our democratic values, to stand up for the universal and fundamental freedoms that all men and women have in our view. That's just part of the DNA of our country. So human rights is going to always be on the table, I told him. It's not about just going after Russia when they violate human rights. It's about who we are. How could I be the president of the United States of America and not speak out against the violation of human rights? I told him that unlike other countries, including Russia, we're uniquely a product of an idea. You've heard me say this before again and again, but I'm going to keep saying it. What's that idea? We don't derive our rights from the government. We possess them because we're born, period. And we yield them to a government. And so the forum, I pointed out to him that that's why we're going to raise our concerns about cases like Alexei Navalny. I made it clear to President Putin that we'll continue to raise issues of fundamental human rights. Because that's what we are. That's who we are. The idea is we hold these truths self-evident. That all men and women, we haven't lived up to it completely, but we've always widened the, the arc of commitment and included more and more people. And I raised the case of two wrongfully imprisoned American citizens, Paul Whelan and Trevor Reed. I also raised the ability of Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty to operate and the importance of a free press and freedom of speech. I made it clear that we will not tolerate attempts to violate our democratic sovereignty or to stabilize our democratic elections, and we would respond. The bottom line is, I told President Putin, that we need to have some basic rules of the road that we can all abide by. I also said there are areas where there's a mutual interest for us to cooperate. For our people, Russian and American people, but also for the benefit of the world and the security of the world. One of those areas is strategic stability. You asked me many times, what was I going to discuss with Putin before I came? I told you I only negotiate with the individual, and now I can tell you what I was intending to do all along, and that is to discuss and raise the issue of strategic stability and try to set up a mechanism where we dealt with it. We discussed in detail the next steps our country should take on arms control measures, the steps we need to take to reduce the risk of unintended conflict. 
and I'm pleased you agreed today to launch a bilateral strategic stability dialogue. The diplomatic speak for saying get our military experts and our, our, our diplomats together to work in a mechanism that can lead to control of new and dangerous and sophisticated weapons that are coming on the scene now that reduce the times of response, that raise the prospects of accidental war. And we went into some detail of what those weapon systems were. Another area we spent a great deal of time on was cyber and cybersecurity. I talked about the proposition that certain critical infrastructures should be off limits to attack, period, by cyber or any other means. I gave them a list. If I'm not mistaken, I don't have it in front of me, 16 specific entities. 16 defined as critical infrastructure under U.S. policy, from the energy sector to our water systems. Of course, the principle is one thing. It has to be backed up by practice. Responsible countries need to take action against criminals who conduct ransomware activities on their territory. So we agreed to task experts in both our, both our countries to work on specific understandings about what's off limits and to follow up on specific cases that originate in other countries, in their, either of our countries. There's a long list of other things we spent time on, from the urgent need to preserve and reopen the humanitarian carters in Syria so that we can get food, just simple food and basic necessities to people who are starving to death, how to build it and how it is in the interest of both Russia and the United States to ensure that Iran, Iran does not acquire nuclear weapons. We agreed to work together there because as much as interest, Russia's interest is ours. And to how we can ensure the Arctic remains a region of cooperation rather than conflict. I caught part of President uh, uh, Putin's uh, uh, press conference and he talked about the need for us to be able to have some kind of modus operandi where we dealt with making sure the Arctic was in fact a free zone and to how we can each contribute to the shared effort of preventing the resurgence of terrorism in Afghanistan. It's very much in, in, in the interest of Russia not to have a resurgence of terrorism in Afghanistan. There are also areas that are more challenging. I communicated the United States' unwavering commitment to the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Ukraine. We agreed to pursue diplomacy related to the Minsk Agreement. And I shared our concern about Belarus. He didn't disagree with what happened. He just has a different perspective of what to do about it. But I know you have a lot of questions. So let me close uh, with this. It was important to meet in person so there could be no mistake about or misrepresentations about what I wanted to communicate. I did what I came to do. Number one. Identify areas of practical work our two countries can do to advance our mutual interest and also benefit the world. Two, communicate directly, directly, that the United States will respond to actions that impair our vital interests or those of our allies. And three, to clearly lay out our country's priorities and our values so we heard it straight from me. And I must tell you, the tone of the entire meetings I guess it was a total of four hours, was, 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 was good, positive. There wasn't any, any uh, strident action taken. Well, we disagreed, I disagreed, stated where it was. Where he disagreed, he stated. But it was not done in a hyperbolic atmosphere. That is too much of what's been going on. Over this last week, I believe, I hope, the United States has shown the world that we are back, standing with our allies. We rallied our fellow democracies to make concert commi concerted commitments to take on the biggest challenges our world faces. And now we've established a clear basis on how we intend to deal with Russia and the U.S.-Russia relationship. There's much more work ahead. I'm not suggesting that any of this is done. We've gotten a lot of business done on this trip. And before I take your questions, I want to say one last thing. Folks, look, this is about, this is about how we move from here. 
This is, I listened to, uh, again, a significant portion of what President Putin's press conference was. And as he pointed out, this is about practical, straightforward, no-nonsense decisions that we have to make or not make. We'll find out within the next six months to a year whether or not we actually have a strategic dialogue that matters. We'll find out whether we work to deal with everything from release of people in, in, in uh, uh, R- Russian prisons or not. We'll find out whether we have a cybersecurity arrangement that begins to bring some order. Because look, the countries that most are likely to be damaged failure to do that are the major countries. For example, when I talked about the pipeline that cyber hit for $5 million, that ransomware hit in the United States, I looked at him and said, well, how would you feel? If ransomware took on the pipelines from your oil fields, he said it would matter. This is not about just our self-interest. It's about a mutual self-interest. I'll take your questions, and as usual, folks, they gave me a list of the people I'm going to call on. So, uh, Jonathan, Associated Press. Folks, again, you're listening to... U.S. intelligence has said that Russia President Biden the last two presidential elections and on the Russia John DePietro show acts like solar winds and some of the ransomware attacks you just mentioned. Putin in his news conference just now accepted no responsibility for any misbehavior. Your predecessor opted not to demand that Putin stop these disruptions. So what is something that concrete, sir, that you achieve today to prevent that from happening again? And what will the consequences you threaten? Whether I stopped it from happening again... He knows I will take action, like we did when this last time out. What happened was we, in fact, made it clear that we were not going to continue to allow this to go on. The end result was we ended up withdrawing, they went up withdrawing ambassadors. We closed down some of their facilities in the United States, etc. He knows there are consequences. Now, look, one of the consequences that I know, I don't know, I shouldn't say this, unfair of me. I suspect you may all think doesn't matter. But I'm confident it matters to him, I'm confident it matters to him and other world leaders of big nations. His credibility worldwide shrinks. Let's get this straight. How would it be if the United States were viewed by the rest of the world as interfering with the elections directly of other countries? And everybody knew it. What would it be like if we engaged in activities that he is engaged in? It diminishes the standing of a country that is desperately trying to make sure it maintains its standing as a major world power. And so it's not just what I do. It's what the actions that other countries take, in this case Russia, that are contrary to international norms. It's the price they pay. They are not. They are not able to dictate what happens in the world. There are other nations of significant consequence, i.e. the United States of America being one of them. Mr. President, a quick follow on the same theme of consequences. You said just now you spoke to him a lot about human rights. What do you say would happen if opposition leader Alexei Navalny dies? I made it clear to him that I believe the, the consequences of that would be devastating for Russia. I'll go back to the same point. What do you think happens when he's saying it's not about hurting Navalny, this, all the stuff he says to rationalize the treatment of Navalny. And then he dies in prison. I pointed out to him that it matters a great deal when a country, in fact, and they asked me why I thought it was important to, to continue to have problems with the president of Syria. I said because his violation of international norm is called a chemical weapons treaty. It can't be trusted. It's about trust. It's about their ability to influence other nations in a positive way. Look, would you like to trade our economy for Russia's economy? Would you like to trade? And by the way, we talked about trade. I don't have any problem with doing business with Russia as long as they do it based on international norms. It's in our interest to see the Russian people do well economically. I don't have a problem with that. But if they do not act according to national norms, then guess what? That, will not, that only won't happen with us. 
it will not happen with other nations. And he kind of talked about that, didn't he, today? About how the need to reach out to other countries to invest in Russia. They won't, as long as they are convinced that, in fact, the, the violations, for example, the American businessman who was in house arrest, and I have pointed out, you want to get American business to invest, let him go. Change the dynamic. Because American businessmen, they're not ready to show up. They, they don't want to hang around in Moscow. I, I mean, I, look, guys. I know we make foreign policy out to be this great, great skill that somehow is sort of like a, a secret code. thing he wants now is a cold war without quoting him which i don't think is appropriate let me ask a rhetorical question you got a multi-thousand mile border with china china is moving ahead hell-bent on election as they say seeking to be the most powerful economy in the world the largest and the most powerful military in the world you're in a situation where your economy is struggling you need to move it in a more uh, uh, aggressive way than in terms of growing it and uh, you uh, I don't think he's looking for a cold war with the United States but I said to him I said your generation of mine were about 10 years ago this is not a cold war Without quoting him, which I don't think is appropriate, let me ask a rhetorical question. You got a multi-thousand mile border with China. China's moving ahead, hell-bent on election, as they say, seeking to be the most powerful economy in the world, the largest and the most powerful military in the world. You're in a situation where your economy is struggling. You need to move it in a more uh, uh, aggressive way than in terms of growing it. And uh, you, uh, I don't think he's looking for a cold war with the United States. I don't think it's about, a, as I said to him, I said, your generation of mine are about 10 years apart. This is not a kumbaya moment, as he used to say back in the 60s in the United States, like, let's hug and love each other. But it's clearly not in anybody's interest. Your countries are mine for us to be in a situation where we're in a new Cold War. And I truly believe he thinks that. He understands that. But that does not mean he's ready to, quote, figuratively lay down his arms and say, come on. He still, I believe, is concerned about being, quote, encircled. He still is concerned that we, in fact, uh, are looking to uh, take him down, etc. He still has those concerns. But I don't think they are the driving force. It's the kind of relationship he's looking for with the United States. Um, Jennifer, Jennifer Jacobs. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, is there a particular reason why the summit lasted only about three hours? We know you had maybe allotted a four to five hours. Was there any reason it ran shorter? Um, also, did um, the, President Putin said that there were no threats or scare tactics issued? Do you agree with that assessment that there were no threats or scare tactics? Yes. And also, did you touch on Afghanistan and the safe withdrawal of troops? Yes, 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 and yes. Uh, let me uh, go back to the first part. Uh, 
Uh, the reason it didn't go longer is when the last time two heads of state have spent over two hours in direct conversation across the table going into excruciating detail. You may know of time, I don't. I can't think of one. So we didn't need, as we got through when we brought in the larger group, our, our defense, our intelligence, and our foreign, well, our, my foreign minister was the foreign minister. My secretary of state was with me the whole time. Our ambassador, et cetera. We brought everybody in. We had covered so much. And so there was a summary done by him and by me of what we covered. Lavrov and Blinken talked about what we had covered. We raised things that required more amplification or made sure we didn't have any misunderstandings. And, uh, and so it was, uh, and it was kind of after two hours there, we looked at each other like, okay, what next? What is going to happen next is we're going to be able to look back, look ahead in three to six months and say, did the things we agreed to sit down and try to work out, did it work? Do we, are we closer to a major strategic stability talks and, and progress? Are we further along in terms of and go down the line? That's going to be the test. I'm not sitting here saying because the president and I agreed that we would do these things that all of a sudden it's going to work. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I think there's a genuine prospect to significantly improve the relations between our two countries without us giving up a single solitary thing based on principle and our values. No, 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 there, there were no threats. There were, as a matter of fact, uh, um, I heard he quoted my mom and quoted other people today. There was, it was very, uh, as we say, which will shock you coming from me, somewhat colloquial. Um, and we talked about basic, basic fundamental things. There was a, it was, and the, you know how I am, I explain things based on personal basis. What happens if, for example. And so there, there were no threats, just as simple assertions made and no, well, if you do that, then we'll do this. What anything I said was just letting him know where I stood, what I thought we could accomplish together. And what, in fact, if it was, if there were violations of American sovereignty, what we would do? No, he asked us about Afghanistan. He said that he hopes that we're able to uh, maintain some peace and security. And I said that has a lot to do with you. He indicated that he was prepared to, quote, help on Afghanistan. I won't go into detail now. And help on, on, uh, on Iran and help on, and in return, we told a lot what we wanted to do relative to bringing some stability and economic security or physical security to the people of Syria and Libya. So we had those discussions. Um, uh, Yamish. Thanks so much, Mr. President. Um, did you, you say that you didn't issue any threats. Were there any ultimatums made when it comes to ransomware? And how will you measure success, especially when it comes to these working groups on, on Russian meddling and on cybersecurity? Well, it's going to be real easy. They either, for example, on, on cybersecurity, are we going to work out where they take action against a ransomware criminals on Russian territory? They didn't do it. I don't think they planned it in this case. And are they going to act? We'll find out. Will we commit? What can we commit to act in terms of anything affecting, uh, violating international norms that negatively affects Russia? What are we going to agree to do? And so I, I, I think we have real opportunities to, to move. And I think that one of the things that I noticed when we had the larger meet is that people who are very, very well informed started thinking, you know, this, this could be a real problem. What happens if that ransomware outfit were sitting in Florida or Maine and took action, as I said, on their, their, their single lifeline to their economy, oil? It'd be devastating. And they're like, you can see them kind of go, oh, we do that, but like, whoa. So it's, every, it's in everybody's interest that these things be acted on. We'll see, though, what happens to these groups we put together. Um, the third one, yes. Go ahead. Um, Mr. President, when President Putin was questioned today about human rights, he said the reason why he's cracking down on opposition leaders 
um, is because he doesn't want something like January 6th to happen in Russia. And he also said he doesn't want to see groups formed like Black Lives Matter. What's your response to that, please? My response is kind of what I communicated. But I think that's a, uh, that's a ridiculous comparison. It's one thing for literally criminals to break through cordon, go into the Capitol, kill a police officer, and be held unaccountable. And it is for people objecting and marching on the Capitol and saying, you are not allowing me to speak freely. You are not allowing me to do A, B, C, or D. And so they're very different criteria. Um, Steve, Steve Holland, Reuters. President, uh, sorry, President Putin said he was satisfied with the answer you, he, about your comment about him being a killer. Uh, could you give us your side on this? What did you tell him? He's satisfied. Why would I bring it up again? <laughs> you talk to him, do you believe you can trust him? Look, this is not about trust. This is about self-interest and verification of self-interest. That's what it's about. So I, uh, virtually uh, almost, almost anyone that I would work out an agreement with that affected the American people's interest, I don't say, well, I trust you, no problem. Let's see what happens. You know, as that old expression goes, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. We're going to know shortly. Um, Igor, Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty. Hello, Mr. President. Hello, Mr. President. You want to go in the shade? You can't. Can you see? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I think you know, in uh, civil society and uh, the free uh, free press continue inside Russia. Yes. Uh, for example, Radio Free Europe. Yes. Radio Liberty, Voice of America, Guarantee TV channel where I work, uh, branded uh, foreign agents, uh, and uh, several other independent media. So, uh, we are essentially uh, being forced out in Russia 30 years after President Yeltsin invited us in. My question is, after your talks with President Putin, um, how interested do you think he's in improving the media climate in Russia? I wouldn't put it that way, <laughs> in terms of improving the climate. I would, in fact, put it in terms of how much interest does he have in burnishing Russia's reputation that is not as viewed as not being contrary to democratic principles and free speech? That's a judgment I cannot make. I don't know. But it's not because I think he, uh, he's interested in changing the nature of a closed society or closed government's actions relative to what he thinks is the right of government to do what it does. It's a very different uh, um, approach. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a couple of really good biographies. I told him I read a couple. I read most everything he's written and the speeches he's made. And, uh, and I've uh, read a couple of very good biographies, which many of you have as well. And I think I pointed out to him that... Um, uh, Russia had an opportunity of that brief shining moment after Gorbachev and after things began to change drastically to actually generate a democratic government. But what happened was it failed and there was a great, great uh, race among Russian intellectuals to determine what form of government would they choose and how would they choose it. And based on what I believe, Mr. Putin decided was that Russia has always been a major international power when it's been totally united as a Russian state, not based on ideology, whether it was going back to czar and commissars, straight through to the, the revolution, the Russian revolution, uh, and to where they are today. And I think that it's clear to me, and I've said it, that I think he decided that the way for Russia to be able to sustain itself as a great, quote, great power is to, in fact, unite the Russian people on just the strength of the government, the government controls, not necessarily ideologically, but the government. And uh, I think that's the, that's the uh, choice that was made. I think it, I, 
I'm not going to second guess whether it could have been fundamentally different. But I do think it does not lend itself to Russia maintaining itself as one of the great powers in the world. Folks, it's John DePietro. You're listening. This is President Biden live in Geneva commenting on his summit with President Putin. Did you, in terms of the red lines that you laid down, is military response an option for a ransomware attack? And President Putin had called you in his press conference an experienced person. You famously told him he didn't have a soul. Do you now have a deeper understanding of him after this meeting? Thank you very much. No, we didn't talk about military dialogue and also with what you said at NATO that the biggest problems right now are Russia and China. Uh, you've spoken many times about how you've spent perhaps more time with President Xi than any other world leader. So is there going to become a time where you might call him old friend to old friend and ask him to open up China to the World Health Organization investigators who are trying to get to the bottom of COVID-19? Let's get something straight. We know each other well. We're not old friends. It's just pure business. So I guess my question would be, uh, you've said that you were going to press China. You signed on to the G7 communique that said you, the G7 were calling on China to open up to let the investigators in. But China basically says they don't want to be interfered with anymore. So what happens now? The impact, the world's attitude toward China as it develops. China's trying very hard to project itself as a responsible and a very, very forthcoming nation. That they are trying very hard to talk about how they're taking and helping the world in terms of COVID-19 and vaccines. And they're trying very hard. Look, certain things you don't have to explain to the people of the world. They see the results. Is China really actually trying to get to the bottom of this? One thing we did discuss, as I told you in the EU and at the G7 and with NATO, what we should be doing and what I'm going to make an effort to do is rally the world to work on what is going to be the physical mechanism available to detect early on the next pandemic and have a mechanism by which we can respond to it and respond to it early. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We need to do that. Thank you. Folks, again, Folks, again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro, and you're listening. Uh, that was pretty long. That was back-to-back. First, we heard the Russian president, and then you just heard President Biden. Um, you know, he actually, surprisingly, he did okay. I'm sure there are uh, no threats made, just assertions. Um, but all in all... I think that would almost be taken as a win. I think we have to take our victories where we get them. So, um, so very interesting. Folks, again, it's, it's Wednesday afternoon, and you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I want to remind you again, if you need um, either your driveway paved uh, or maybe you need a parking lot, anything like that, residential, commercial, seal coating patios, you want to call J. Perry Paving, letter J, J. Perry Paving. They provide high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service. Do you need to get your driveway repaved? Well, they're the ones to call. They specialize commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, general masonry projects. They stay on 
schedule all projects. They will exceed your expectations, and you can call them for a free estimate at 732-1730-401-732-1730, letter J, J. Perry Paving. And remember, they're licensed and insured contracting company committing to meeting the client's needs. You can uh, find them on Facebook. Maybe it's a residential asphalt driveway. No matter how big or how small, they specialize in, in uh, specialize in laying brand new asphalt pavement, removal, repair, resurfacing. You need a quote, give them a call. Remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed. Letter J, J, Perry Paving. They have your back. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on. Aesthetically appealing, call them for a free quote, 732-1730-401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. And again, you can always uh, find them on Facebook. I think um, all in all, it sounds as though this uh, summit, I don't know if we're ready to say complete success, but certainly not a disaster. President Biden seems pretty adamant that he feels uh, pretty good about the way things went. And um, and then, um, let's see. I'm looking at some. Biden just snapped at Keegan Collins after asking a great question. She was, oh, she was not on the list of reporters. So that is true. Um, so that's what they're going to harp on. Uh, but all in all, um, he, there were no, let, let's just, there, there were no, um, there were no big gaffes or anything remotely close to that that a lot of people were were starting to kind of build up on or maybe uh, fearful of. Um, but I, he, you know, and again, as someone, uh, he did snap at Caitlin Collins. I'm saying that I have to ask how confident the behavior will change, and then he say, "What do you do? What?" What do you do all the time, he yelled. Um, again, folks, I know some people are going to um, are going to be very critical. I, I'm going to say, in light of everything, um, it wasn't tremendous, but I don't think it was a disaster. I'm seeing some people saying that he had a complete meltdown. It was uh, it was long. Um, but I think they're going to be happy to get out of there almost, I'll call it like a win, almost like a win. So, folks, again, it's John DePietro, it's Wednesday, and then coming up at uh, 2 o'clock, we will have the 2 o'clock news, and then it will be the John Dion program. So, now remember, if you'd like to reach me, go to the website, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com the official website of you know who uh you can reach me that way you can also um uh get contacts to all our social media i'm sure there's going to be more on this in the two o'clock news and then we will wait and see exactly what it is but i i would say if anything i hate to say this but putin was pretty impressive today the way he was with the media the way he flips things uh engages them but if you're team biden I think they're pretty happy to get uh, head towards Air Force One and then just head home. Hey, listen, enjoy this Wednesday. Remember, look for me on Facebook for any breaking news. In the meantime, stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. UNRI.com.